Okay, everybody, welcome back. Another episode, Figure It Out podcast with me, Chandler Collins, basketball edition on a Monday, uh, coming off an amazing Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend. Um, I mean, storylines off the page here, just unbelievable matchups going into Sweet 16, a true blue blood uh, Final Four with Villanova, Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina making it to this year's Final Four. Starting off today's episode solo, uh, hoping to get Skip on maybe sometime uh, during the show, but uh, he got kind of tied up at work. So onward we go. We'll figure it out as we go along. (laughs) That was a bad joke. (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking about it. That wasn't great, but you know, what can you do? Um, I kind of want to start real quick, just with a quick word about St. Peter's. Uh, they lost in the Elite Eight, but what an unbelievable run, an unbelievable storyline, and it really is uh, what makes this tournament so special. Um, it had never been done before, and records are meant to be broken, um, and they're the first 15 seed to ever make the Elite Eight, um, beat some unbelievable teams along the way. Um you know, I think I think if they had just beaten Kentucky and lost in the next round, that's still a generational <laughs> uh, achievement by an institution like St. Peter's going up against Kentucky in basketball, any sport really, but especially hoops. Uh, just an unbelievable job. I actually saw today that Shane Holloway, the St. Peter's head coach, uh, he took the job at his alma mater, Seton Hall, so good for him. I mean, you can't take a St. Peter's to the Elite Eight and so, and some sort of big-time school is going to pick that guy up. I mean, it's just the nature of the business. Um, I'm sure he's sad to leave St. Peter's. Um, I'm sure that place will mean a lot to him for the rest of his career. I mean, put him directly on the map. Uh, so, but, you know, when the big boys start calling money talks and uh, obviously you can't pass up a chance to coach your alma mater, that's uh, pretty cool and congratulations to him. But they uh, their season ended against North Carolina, who made the Final Four. Um, unbelievable. That game was over, really, from the beginning. Uh, Carolina, just too good. Um, they are going to cause some issues um, for sure for Duke in the final four. That's going to be an unbelievable matchup. We'll talk about that in a second, but um, St. Peter's man, great tournament. Awesome story. Staying with North Carolina though. Uh, they're a team that I don't think many people put in, had in their final four, um, but they, it, it's kind of like Duke in a way. They seem to be hitting their stride at the exact right time. Um, just needed a couple more games to play with each other. Uh, they look nasty. Um, you know, they beat UCLA in the Sweet 16. Um, that was an awesome win. A lot of people were picking UCLA to win that game. Uh, and they've kind of just answered the call every time uh, they've they've been called on in this tournament. Um, they came out, did exactly what they needed to do against St. Peter's. The biggest key to the game for North Carolina was to get on St. Peter's early and put them to bed. Um, you know, UNC, obviously, just a better basketball team, better guard play. Caleb Love, is a he's a beast. Brady Manick is a beast. There's some really good Brady Manick stuff going around Twitter right now um, about, uh, <laughs> like, what he used to look like to where he is now because he's been to, like, three different schools. I think he's been to, like, 
was it Eastern Washington, Oklahoma, and now North Carolina or something like that? It's something crazy, but he is completely, he looks completely different. Um, it's pretty funny. Check that out. But um, they, they can just do, and, and I absolutely love Armando Bacote. Uh He is a beast down low. Um, going to give issues uh, to Duke's Mark Williams, who's also had a very good tournament. Uh, Coach K has spoke highly of him um, in most of their press con- post-game conferences. Uh, it, it's going to be an awesome game. North Carolina looks like they're really hitting their stride uh, at the right time. Um, Villanova. Villanova is an interesting case to me. Villanova uh, defeated Houston in the Elite Eight to make the Final Four. Um Villanova is very good. Uh, they sometimes don't score the ball that well, but they, I mean, their defense is so good. Uh, they held Houston to 44 points. It also doesn't help when Houston goes like, I think they were like one for 21 or something like that from three. I mean, that's just not a good recipe in any, in any uh, capacity of basketball. But uh, Nova flat out defends. Um, one thing about Nova, though, they probably lost their their most um, not their most important player, in my opinion, but their most like dynamic uh, their score player and Justin Morey ruptured his Achilles in like the last thirty seconds of the game um, against Houston. It was honestly really sad to see, but um, you know it's the game. Whatever, you move on. They still have their most important player, in my opinion, in Colin Gillespie. That guy is an absolute floor general who can – if he's on, he can absolutely shoot the ball. But um, I don't love their matchup with Kansas. Um, we can move to the Elite Eight game that featured the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, Kansas versus Miami in the Elite Eight. Another surprise Elite Eight team in Miami. Um this game is so weird, man. Uh, I mean, Miami was up six at the break, 35-29. Um, they were playing really well. Kansas was frustrated. Kansas wasn't making free throws, which doesn't happen very often. Um, but the second half came, and Kansas, you know, the fastest way to get back into a basketball game is come out of the second – or come out of halftime and go on an absolute run. That's exactly what Kansas did. They went on two big runs in the second half. Um, Ochai is a monster. Um, and, God, Kansas can get out and flat – just get down the court um, and score in transition. They got several dunks, uh, and they were off rebounds and just throwing it ahead. And then you can't, you can't defend them. Um, so I'm curious there for their matchup with Villanova, uh, which one gives. Um, you know, if Kansas can get out in transition – and not let Villanova set up their defense. I think Kansas, you know, I mean, I'm not going to – I don't want to say that they're going to kill them, but, I mean, Villanova is already struggling to score a lot, and then you lose one of your best scorers and Justin Moore. It, the recipe isn't great. Um, the best thing that Villanova has going for it, in my opinion, is Jay Wright, uh, but he's going up against Bill Self, so there's not really uh, – there's not really much of uh, a difference there, in my opinion, um, but it's going to be an unbelievable matchup. I, I'm really curious to see how the guards uh, play Villanova uh, because I think their main focus now just completely switches to Colin Gillespie. Um, I don't really think that there's going to be 
I, I don't really think there's a guard uh, on Villanova now that's better than a guard on Kansas. Uh, Remy Martin provides them with some sort of weirdly electric spark. Um, and Dewan Harris is probably one of the most consistent players in definitely in the Big 12, and if not the nation. Um, it's crazy. Uh, I absolutely love Dewan Harris. I've kind of been hearing some flack thrown his way. Um, like I just reading some tweets or something, but I, I disagree. I think he's a really good point guard. His only problem to me is that he doesn't shoot. Um, and that's fine. I mean, you got, you got shooters on that team. Um, we have talked about it all year. Depth doesn't really seem to be an issue with Kansas at this point in the tournament. Uh, they have the rotation. And honestly, right now, I think really what has been the difference in this Kansas tournament team is how good McCormick's been playing. Uh, that guy was a freak down low against Miami. They could not stop him. Um, super, super good job from him, honestly. I mean, uh, Miami was pretty much in, insufficient from the paint. Uh, couldn't They had no easy looks. They weren't hitting threes. Um, and Kansas is really good defensively, and McCormick plays a huge part in that, uh, being the anchor down low. And I don't get it, but Lightfoot is – okay i guess uh he's actually been playing really well so kansas seems to be getting really complete at the exact right times kind of seems to all come together i know they're fired up um they're definitely going to be favored in that game in my opinion um and we'll see uh it should be interesting uh moving to uh the other elite eight matchup between arkansas and duke duke uh one by nine. Um, I don't think the score tip necessarily indicates what kind of game it was. Duke was in control the entire time. And kind of like the other two, well, I would say that three out of the four teams right now are teams that have, have had concerns throughout the year placed on them and then were have been solidified into really, really solid basketball teams um, at this point of the tournament. Um, and Duke is certainly in that category. Um, they are really good offensively. Talking to my boy Ryan Hawkins, um, he, he's been worried about Duke a little bit. I was worried about Duke for a while, but I don't think I'm worried about him anymore. Um, it's going to be interesting to see this Duke-North Carolina matchup. But uh, Arkansas, hell of a run, um, really, really good basketball program. I mean, they're not going away at any time soon. Um, I really like Jalen Williams. He was a beast, uh, fun to watch. JD Note as well. Um, you know, they just kind of, they just kind of didn't have it. They kind of had, they really, really had it that night against Gonzaga. And then they just really kind of didn't have it against Duke. Um, and really they didn't play that bad. It just kind of seemed that they were they were just always kind of one step behind Duke. Duke seemed a little bit more fresh, um, which doesn't make any sense because they played Tech like two nights before. But they kind of just seemed a little bit more relaxed. Arkansas, uh, they just um, they just just kind of kind of collapsed a little bit early in the second half, and especially leading into halftime, Duke uh, went into it went into the half uh, with a lot of momentum. Uh, they hit a buzzer beater, I'm almost pretty sure, too. So uh, Duke rolled comfortably in that one. Um, and it sets up a hell of a matchup. The rubber match of Tobacco Road 
uh, Duke, North Carolina in the Final Four for the – I think – let me look this up real fast. But I think that um, this is the first time that Duke and UNC have played in the tournament, uh, which would be insane. Hold on. Let me look at this. Sorry. I should have had this pulled up before. It's what happens when you're a little rusty on the solo. Um, but, you know, what can you do? You live and you learn. UNC Duke played. They have never met in the NCAA tournament. I'm glad that I took the time to look that up. I really wanted to know that. Um, that's actually really awesome. Uh, and that just adds to the rivalry big time. Dude, what a way for Duke. Uh, what a way for Duke to avenge its probably most humiliating loss in the Coach K era. Um, it's going to be crazy. Uh, it's a really good matchup, too, between two teams that are probably a lot better than they were when they played the last time at Cameron Indoor. And they're certainly better than freaking um, – they're certainly better than the first time they played in Chapel Hill. I mean, it's going to be an amazing game, amazing matchup. Uh, Duke is scoring at an unreal late, unreal rate, 78 78- – Seven, uh, 78 total points in their last two games, Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, against two really good defensive teams in Texas Tech and Arkansas. So something's got to give here because UNC scoring at a pretty good clip too. Um, I don't know how this game's going to go. I really don't. I really wish Skip was on here so I could get his inside. But um, I really kind of want UNC to win, to be quite honest. I just don't really want – I. I just – I don't like Duke. I can't do it. And I'm open to tell Skip. I've told Skip that since the day I've met him. Like, I just can't – I can't do it. They just rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, I don't know. So, I guess I'm going to cheer for UNC, but, you know, what are you going to do? Um, so, it's going to be a phenomenal Final Four next Saturday. Uh, I think I'm going to pick – I picked – I picked Texas Tech. No, I picked Baylor, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm going to pick for my championship game. This is the Chandler Collins Figure It Out podcast championship matchup. The championship matchup is going to be North Carolina versus Villanova in the 2022 national title game. <laughs> I... Uh, I feel that strongly. I think Villanova has something special about him. I think uh, Gillespie goes out on top. Nova also historically owns Kansas in this tournament. Um, I'm pretty sure the last time that these two teams played, and maybe it was two two Elite Eights ago or something like that, Kansas gave up like the most threes in the NCAA history, not the tournament's history, the literally the history of the NCAA. So. You know, maybe that leaves a bad taste in Kansas's mouth, but I don't know. Nova seems to uh, to win that matchup a lot. And then the, on the other side, UNC Duke, man, it's going to be a really tough game to decide. Um, I hope that it comes down to the wire because that's what this – it's crazy to want that it's one and one on the season too. 
And this will legitimately be the last time that Coach K coaches this matchup. Um, and to meet in the Final Four, it seems really Hollywood, dude. <laughs> it's actually funny. Um, it seems like it couldn't be better scripted. Um, I mean, what a way, what a way to conclude this tournament for real. Uh, I mean, those are four blue bloods for, for damn sure. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts about it, really. Um, it's four of the best programs in the country made it to the finals. Um, and it's interesting that it's not all one seed. There's only one one seed remaining. Um, and I will say this, too, about Kansas making it to the Final Four, because uh, they just piss me off. But what a lucky road. Oh, my God, wait, pause. We actually might have uh, an audit. Is that Skeeby? Uh, brother. Skeeby, we're on the pod right now. Really? Yes. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Well, hey, yeah. I'm happy to be well, here. Well, no, man. dude, great to have you in. Perfect time to have you in. So I've already kind of gone over the Elite Eight matchups, and we're on to the Final Four, more or less. So I just want to get your quick thoughts on Duke's Elite Eight win and how you're feeling about UNC. What a matchup, dude. Man, unbelievable. I mean, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Uh, the first time ever in history that uh, that Duke and Carolina are going to play each other in the Final Four. Yeah. And for Coach K's last season, I mean, what better revenge game for Duke uh, after they lost their last home game against Carolina to – hopefully beat them in the final four and make the national championship game. Um, so just super happy for coach K super happy for all the guys on, on Duke squad. They're really, really playing well right now. Fun to watch uh, a great time for them to get hot in the tournament. And uh, I'm over here stoked, man. I'm, I'm super happy to be a Duke fan right now. <laughs> yeah. And I was saying earlier uh, before you hopped on this, I would say that there's three teams in this final four that had kind of had some question marks um, kind of going into uh, this tournament, not necessarily bad question marks, but concerns that people had about these teams in Kansas, Duke and North Carolina, that they didn't think that they could make it to the final four, or they just kind of had, uh, you know, had more doubt than maybe they needed. And these teams have taken these games and have played better and better each game. Uh, I mean, Kansas throttled Miami. <laughs> Yeah. Like, yeah, dude. No, all the all the teams in the final four, I mean, they're all deserving to be there. Um, you know, it, it's not like uh any of them really got lucky or anything like that. I mean, it's all four of them are are deserving and and all four of them are playing the best basketball right now and uh you know, it's been a great tournament leading up to this point and uh it's actually the first time ever that all four final team, final four teams have multiple national championships. I oh. uh, saw that the other day on SportsCenter. Thought that that was a pretty cool statistic. Um, just kind of proves each of these uh, programs, proves their dominance in recent history. And um, I mean, I know that we've mentioned it a lot on the podcast, but uh, I mean, just all straight – all four blue bloods. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. And and I I cannot wait for the final four. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that Duke is gonna beat Carolina. Uh, I just think that there's so much on the line for Duke for them to 
not just give everything that they possibly have to win that game. And, um, you know, for coach K to make another national championship, that would be incredible. And, uh, I, I know that on the other side, if I had to take a wild guess, um, I would probably go with Kansas over Villanova. So, um, of the, of the remaining teams, my, my national championship is, is Duke against Kansas. And, um, and man, <laughs> I was a couple weeks ago, I never would have thought that we would be in this position. Uh, you know, everyone on the podcast knows that I'm a, a huge Duke fan. And I was the first to admit that it was not looking good for us. We were not heading in the right direction there late in the season, but we have just completely flipped the switch. Um, those guys are playing so hard. They're playing together. Uh, they're, they're, they're playing defense. They're hitting shots. Their players are making big time plays in the most timely manner. Um, you know, they're just doing everything that it takes to win. And it's, and it's great to see. And I, I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I think it's one of those things that, uh, you know, they're, they're just going to do everything that they can, like I said, to get Coach K another national championship. And I, I truly think that they are the best team remaining at the moment out of the four. And I hope that I don't eat my words on that statement, but I, I truly do think that they're the best remaining team. Dude, Skip, you are a pro's pro, man. Uh, you led into that perfectly from where you joined the call, because as soon as you joined the call, I had just finished giving what my national championship game is going to be. So well done. I mean, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant for the listeners. That's why we have him on, folks. But yes, um, sir. To, to fill you in, Skip, I it's funny that you didn't know what I said, and you said the exact opposite of what I said because I picked Villanova and UNC. And look, on the Villanova-Kansas side, I'm not saying Kansas isn't deserving to make it to the Final Four, but in terms of these four teams, they have by far had the easiest run. I mean, Villanova will be the best team that they've played so far in this tournament, 100%. 100%. I, yeah, the fact that oh. they played a 10-seed Kansas, they played a 10-seed in Miami in the Elite Eight is yeah. pretty crazy. I mean, there was a 10-11 a matchup in the, sweet, in the Sweet 16. I mean, that's just unheard of. So Yeah, and um, Auburn and Wisconsin lose on their side, to, to the two and the three, which didn't happen in any other bracket because there's two twos in the Final Four. <laughs> Yep. Yep. So yeah. And, and Villanova is nasty. I mean, I, yeah. I will say Villanova is really, really good. And the fact that they were actually underdogs against Houston pretty much baffled me. I mean, they were, yeah. Houston, Houston was favored by three in that game the other day, which to me did not make any sense whatsoever. I mean, mm. I know that Houston's a very, very good team and they were hot at the same time, but I mean, Villanova is just, they're just so solid. Like they don't, yeah. they don't turn the ball over. They play team basketball. They hit open shots. They have a great coach and Jay Wright. Um, and then Connor Gillespie is just a dog, dude. I mean, that guy just, he's just a straight hooper. So yeah, uh, they're fun to watch. And, and I think it's going to be a phenomenal game. I, I mean, I, I really don't know 
how you could make an argument. I mean, you could make an argument either way and, and essentially not be wrong because both of them are just phenomenal basketball teams. Yeah. Um, and w- unfortunately, one bad thing to note, though, for Villanova, I said this earlier, but Justin Moore ruptured his Achilles uh, for Villanova. That's a big loss for them. Um, Kansas, I was saying, too, Kansas is – we talked about this before on the pod, and I mentioned this uh, briefly just a second ago, but their ability to get downhill, bro, and run and transition, like they get up the floor at an alarming rate. Um, a really athletic team like Miami couldn't keep them corralled. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe Skip. Maybe what are your thoughts? Like, how do you how do you defend that? I mean, you, I don't think you can defend it. <laughs> like that's the thing. Yeah. the The thing with Kansas is that they have so many playmakers to begin with, and um, you know they've had recently in the season and and quite frankly in the tournament um they've had guys step up and just play out of their minds um and my point with that is you know you you pretty much know what you're going to get out of Ochai Abaji he's one of the best players in the entire nation uh Christian Brown is a, a phenomenal player as well uh and then Jay I mean Jalen Wilson's really really good too so that's kind of like their big three quote-unquote and then, dude, you got a playmaker and an energy guy like Remy Martin coming off the bench. I mean, Remy Martin is playing out of his mind. And he is just like, he just sparks their whole team. And kind of like you said, every time that he gets the ball, I mean, it is, it's a beeline down the court. He is, he's either passing it ahead on the wing or he's taking it himself and putting pressure on the defense. So, um, you know, obviously you, you got to get back against them on, on defense. And, uh, you know, this is kind of schematic, uh, a schematic approach for basketball. But the thing about Kansas is that if you're so worried about them in transition, that essentially helps your defensive rebounding because guys are so worried about getting back that they're not going to crash the offensive glass as much. And that, that, in you know, in, in, uh, hindsight, helps your defensive rebounding Mm -hmm. so um if they get the ball yeah watch out for them in transition i mean they have of course a lot of playmakers they have a lot of guys that can knock down threes um so kansas kansas is very dangerous and um you know they are just they're they're clicking on all cylinders right now and that's exactly how they beat miami too uh miami was trying i mean they they were a one shot and Kansas rebound team in the second half. Um, It wasn't even – Miami was in no competition on the offensive glass. Um, And and I think you made a great point because I think that's what they were trying to do. And it still seemed like in the second half, Kansas was out. And before they could even get out of their own offensive uh, half of the court, um, because, I mean, Miami was winning 35-29 at the break, and they ended with 50 so not only did Kansas dominate the defensive, like the glass, uh, Miami just went ice cold and Kansas scored 76. I mean, it was an absolute drubbing in the second half. That's what like really concerns me. It's like this Kansas team, first off, they can, they, we haven't even talked about this. They can defend really well. And then they have big guys that can handle the ball. Well, I mean, like you said, Jalen Wilson, what is he? He's got to be anywhere from six, seven to six, nine. 
Christian Brown, who's at least 6'6", 6'7", probably. And then Ochai, who's like 6'9", can just flat out get the ball and roll, and everyone's just getting downhill as fast as they can. They are a very dangerous team, seriously. It's it, – they're, they're, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it really is. And shout-out to Ochai and Christian Brown for being from Kansas City. Yeah, yeah that is cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool representing the city well. Yeah, uh, shout out, um, shout out Michael Briggs's wife, Logan. Uh, she, her and her family are really good friends with the Browns. So that's kind of sick. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, we're, we're talking about all these guys and, um, the, the craziest thing about it, man, is that, is that Duke has, again, in my opinion, they're the best remaining team. And I mean, Paulo Bancaro is playing at a, a ridiculous level right now. He's, yeah. I think that he is kind of uh, essentially solidified him possibly being the number one pick in the NBA draft coming up. Um, I mean, when you're 6'10 and you can get your shot off whenever you, whenever you want and uh, you can handle the ball like you can, and he, he's got that deadly mid-range game. Oh, yeah, uh, he does, Garrett. I love his I'm, mid-range, dude. Yeah, I mean, his mid-range, he's just able to shoot right over the top of you, and it's impossible to to defend because he can get his shot off still. And um, he does have to improve on his three-point shooting a little bit, I, in my opinion. Um, but I say that, and he's hit massive threes in every game, it seems like. So, you know, he he is, he's really, really stepped his game up. Uh, I like his, his energy on defense as well. I mean, again, he's 6'10", so he's super long, super active right now. Uh, he's able to block shots, get get his hands on a lot of deflections. Um, this wasn't the Paolo Bancaro that was playing earlier, like on defense. No. It's still kind no. of the same offensive player, just a little bit different level. But, like, he's active on defense right now. Like, he wants it. Yeah, cool. and – and me and um, me and some other buddies were talking about it the other day. I mean, I think that his his game and his play style uh, kind of fits the NBA even better, you know, uh, because in college a lot of the teams are they're running offensive sets and and it's kind of a little bit more obviously more structured basketball. Mm-hmm. But in the NBA, when you're a guy like him and you're six ten and you can get your shot off anytime you want and uh, you know, he's, he's pretty much a matchup nightmare because if you put a smaller guy on him, he's going to, you know, take you down low and, and post you up and uh, try and bully ball you inside. Or if you put a big on him, you know, you can stretch him out and, and he can attack the basket. He can shoot outside shots at that point. Uh, and then on defense again, man, he, he can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's, he's athletic enough. I feel like he can guard uh, pretty much one through four maybe not a, a dominant center in the NBA. Uh, right. He might have trouble with that, but, you know, like a one one through four type of uh, player. So he's a very versatile guy, and and I think that he's really, really helped his draft stock a lot. And it's, uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how this NBA draft plays out because, uh, again, there's, there's not – we talked about this a lot. There's – not only are there not like too many dominant teams this year in college basketball, there's not too many like dominant Zion Williamson hands yeah. down, like number one dominant type of players. Um, 
there's just a bunch of really, really good players. So uh, teams are going to have to really be, you know, strategic whenever they make their picks. And, and so it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the draft plays out. But in my opinion, Paulo Bancaro is the number one pick right now. Yeah. There's like five people I think that uh, have a legit chance that they have not necessarily that they have uh, like, I think there's three that have like, wait, can oh, yeah. you okay, Skip? Okay. I think there's like three that are like have a legit chance to be the number one. And then there's a couple others that are like, like really good, but probably like, like two, three, four, five. Um, so yeah, I think it'll be interesting. But Duke, let's talk about the game. Um, Duke, North Carolina. I mean, on paper, it's a beautiful matchup. A um, couple matchups I love. I mean, our boy Armando, the coat, and uh, Mark Williams going to be an absolute battle down low. That's a guy I feel like, Skip, now you correct me if I'm wrong here, but watching Duke, super inconsistent throughout the season and been very consistent in the tournament thus far, um, offensively and defensively, honestly, uh, Mark Williams. So is that a fair assessment? Oh, absolutely, man. 100%. Um, he's playing really, really well. He's playing the best basketball that he's played all season long without a doubt. Um, I mean, he's just man in the paint. He, he's just being dominant inside. He's, he's able to get to the free throw line and he's a pretty good free throw shooter. Um, he's had some vicious dunks. I mean, monstrous yeah. dunks um, that are just unguardable. And uh, then defensively, I mean, he's, he's in there protecting the rim. He's able to block shots. He's able to, even if he doesn't block it, he's able to really like alter and change the shot. Um, and yeah, he, he's completely stepped his game up. Uh, another player who I really think has, has amped up his draft stock for the NBA. Uh, he's kind of a question mark all season long, like you mentioned. But I mean, if he plays like this, watch out i mean he he could be a really 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 good player in the nba for sure um and then man i, I gotta give myself credit when credit's due i'm not gonna lie I, I know you know where i'm going with this probably but said it uh one of the very first episodes of the pod whenever you asked me uh you you asked me who the x factor in my opinion was for duke and i said jeremy roach and he is dominating dude i mean absolutely taking over the game at the end of the games and just completely controlling the pace of the game, uh, getting his shots off whenever he needs to and, and hitting big shots. He's getting his teammates involved, uh, making great passes. He's playing good defense. I mean, he's damn near playing 40 minutes a game. I, I don't think he hardly ever comes out. Um, so that just goes to show you that Coach K has 100% trust in him. And uh, he's he's playing the best basketball of his not only this season, but of his entire career at Duke. Um, he has just completely put himself on the map. And uh, I, I it's just amazing to see because he was playing really well during the season and playing pretty consistently, but not not on this level. And and that's just kind of the the continued story for Duke is that they're every single one of their guys are just stepping up to, to the plate and they're playing their best basketball right now. I mean, you got Jeremy Roach, you got Paulo Bancaro, Mark Williams. We haven't even mentioned Wendell Moore Jr. 
I love him. I really like his game a lot. Just super versatile guy, does all the dirty work, makes all the little plays. Um, you know, so they're they're just playing as a team and they're they're doing everything that they can to the best of their ability and and they're making big plays down the stretch. And that's that is uh you know, there's nothing more that you can ask for for a national championship contending team. Right. Um, they're definitely the most talented team left. Uh, their roster is stacked. Um, Roach and Trevor Keels went to St. Paul the sixth. I wonder if they ever played at the Tournament of Champions in high school. Because I bet That's one of those years. That's a great question. Yeah. I guarantee you, a couple of those years they they were there. Because I feel like Paul the sixth is a staple at the tournament. Oh yeah, one hundred. They probably don't go every year, but they probably go every four out of five years. Yeah, no, that's Definitely. pretty cool that they were high school turn. They were high school teammates, and now they're they're playing in the NCAA tournament together at Duke University. Like that's that's yeah. uh that's pretty impressive, man. And and another one we didn't even mention AJ Griffin. AJ Griffin's a beast as well. So yeah, Duke just playing really really well, man. I, I couldn't be happier right now, and I just really really hope that they beat north carolina i mean that would that would be a just a tough way to go out for coach k if they did lose that game but i'm not even gonna not even gonna mention that i firmly believe that duke's gonna win so we're just gonna roll with that (laughs) yeah um and uh the flip side though is they are gonna play a very talented uh carolina team who kind of has a big three of their own um, and Brady Manic, Armando Bacote, and Caleb Love. Uh, they, they're just I, – I don't know how much of their game on Sunday was St. Peter's just kind of came to the end. Um, I'm like, you know, what a historic run. Um, eventually, you're just going to go up against too many good players, and it's just not going to be enough. And I, I can't tell how much of it is that and how much Carolina – has improved throughout the year. I mean, they were kind of irrelevant in the ACC, and they're in the Final Four. Um, they're the epitome of getting right when it's hot, in my opinion. Um, and they are, again, going to be insanely fired up uh, to try to win this game. Um, it, The magnitude of this game, Skip, is insane. Um, Unreal. Like yeah, like you said, I can't believe it's the first time they've met in the tournament. Which really, when you think about it, it's probably not actually that weird. Um, I mean, it's. I feel like it's really rare when you play a team from your own conference in the tournament, anyway. Um, so I, I think it's while it's an awesome stat, like it, it kind of makes sense. But what a fucking way! Honestly, there is no better way to describe it than what a fucking way for Coach K to end this rivalry. Um, It'll completely on on the Duke side, in my opinion, it'll completely erase the loss at Cameron Indoor. Like that will just go out the window, um, and a loss would be <laughs> very crushing, um, crazy, um, but maybe kind of a different loss in a way because like it's kind of like a, I don't know, maybe I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong skip but it would just i don't know what a what a way for this game to to come to fruition um and what a way for this rivalry to end in this chapter yeah dude i can't even imagine the uh the tv viewing for that game i mean it's probably gonna like 
break some all-time records for sure i would imagine yeah. and i mean dude i was actually just looking at the ticket prices today and i think that the cheapest one that i saw was nine grand <laughs> wow and are you kidding uh, me no nine no joke grand? cheapest one that i saw was nine grand there was uh there were some tickets that were going for like 35k i mean just just absurd i mean and that's you know who's to say that i'm sure that there are tickets out there that are probably upwards of 50 to a hundred thousand dollars which is just insane for one oh. basketball game yeah. so uh yeah dude i mean just the magnitude of it the the TV viewing for that, the amount of money that that game is going to generate. I mean, just, you couldn't have scripted it any better. Yeah, dude. Um, it's going to be an awesome final four. Um, you said that you have Duke versus Kansas and I have Nova versus UNC. <laughs> wow. That is crazy. We don't so, have any of the same pick. <laughs> make the i guess uh let the best man win in this scenario yeah, absolutely um, <laughs> but man this tournament has been fun um i mean i guess in a quick summation uh since we have kind of the final chapter written uh or getting ready to be written i guess um an unbelievable tournament so many good games uh definitely lived up to the expectation um great storylines uh ever you know all good games not a lot of major controversy i don't think um uh, that arizona tcu game kind of stands out to me but other than that uh nothing too crazy in terms of no buzzer beaters scare it i don't think there was not one buzzer beater this year not that I can think of off the top of my head. No. Yeah. If and you guys, really if the listeners I'm think of one, sure. if the if the listeners think of one, send it in. But I don't think that there was one, which that's got to be rare. And I, I honestly don't think very many overtime games either. No, me either. Maybe a couple. Like this, I think yeah. like the second day, the round of thirty-two, there might have been a couple OTs. Yeah, but none in the Sweet Sixteen, right? No, I mean it. It was like you said, man. It was a really, really good tournament. A um, lot of good storylines. I mean, St. Peter's making the Elite Eight is is pretty phenomenal as a 15 seed. Uh, I saw a stat the other day that said that Duke and UNC. Uh, this is the first time that they have both been in the Elite Eight since 1998. Um, oh which was pretty, pretty shocking to me. Uh, Coach K, you know, he got, uh, he got his hundredth career tournament win. Um, so he surpassed the century mark. And, and also that same game that he got his hundredth career tournament win was also his 1200th career win overall. So um, two pretty historic milestones there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, what a Final Four, like we've already said a couple of times, like, uh, you know, upsets here and there. And um, But I, I really do think out of all the teams that were in the field that these are the 
best four teams for real. Um, so, and, and that's, it's crazy because hindsight 2020, you know, it's, it, you, who knows if it would be like this, if some of those upsets didn't happen, but that's the beauty of the tournament. I mean, you just never know. And you got to play every single game and uh, who cares if you, I know that we mentioned it earlier, who cares if, I mean, Kansas could care less that people are sitting there saying like, Oh, they had the easiest road. Yeah. Like, no, who cares? Literally. Like they, they are in the final four. They, they could, they could give two shits. <laughs> yep. Literally. <laughs> yeah. I completely agree. Very well said, Skeevy. Um, we have one more episode to do. We'll preview the national championship and uh, that'll be it for college basketball uh, next Monday. Um, but uh, appreciate you jumping on. I know you got caught up at work, but appreciate you uh, getting on here for the last half of the show. Uh, it was yes, fun, brother. Um, yes, sir. Absolutely. And the national. Thought, so we got the we got the final four games next Saturday. Yeah, and this then the, Saturday. the national the national championship will be that Monday. Yeah, Monday, April fourth. Yeah. So. So we might have to do this, we might have to do an episode on Sunday. Yeah. Whatever. A preview we, Sunday. We, if we can do we that. Do a, we'll we'll talk about we it. We could do a preview or we could do a, a post game, whatever, whatever you want. But either way works for me. Okay. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually a really good idea. We'll talk about it. All right, Skippy. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Yes, sir.